0: the one thing that came out of it at the end of this like two hour, I don't know, three hour, however long we were there, what came out of it was this one idea. And the idea was every Tennessean Everyone, right? Everyone has different issues. Everyone has a different primary issue, secondary issue, right, and people have their own core values that they bring to whatever organization or cause they're supporting, and they might support other things alongside that that sometimes conflict and, you know, it's complicated. Activism is complicated, right? And so how do we cut to the heart of that? And what we came to is, every Tennessean deserves to live a life of freedom, safety, dignity, and joy. And while you are pursuing your life of freedom, safety, dignity, and joy, you may not infringe on anyone else's freedom, safety, dignity, and joy.
1: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast, a show about extraordinary people who aim to leave the planet much better than they found it people who are trying to live absurdly intentional lives. All of my guests are very different from each other, but they all have this one thing in common. They give lots and lots of dams. I'm your host, Nick LaPara, and I'm incredibly glad you're here. If you hear random noises in the background, just wanted to begin with a little disclaimer. If you hear random noises in the background, it's because I'm recording this in one of those weird little phone booths at a WeWork location in downtown Manhattan. I couldn't get to my normal recording space. So it is what it is. Friends, if you have a pulse and you pay attention to the news in any way, shape or form, then you know at least a little bit about what's happening in Tennessee right now. Over the past few months, ever since the horrific Covenant school massacre, the good people of Tennessee have been pushing for sensible gun legislation and Republicans have been doing everything they possibly can to keep Tennessee as dangerous as possible. I wish I was exaggerating when I say that, but I'm not. They even went as far, as you remember a few months ago, as far as to expel two representatives, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, for speaking up on behalf of the people of Tennessee. They were, of course, voted back in earlier this month. Speaker Cameron Sexton my friends, is working every single day to silence Tennesseans and to work against the will of the people, including several fascist-like decrees over the past week as they are in special session, working hard to ignore bills that would make Tennesseans safer. But sometimes when tragedy strikes, good things come out of it. Ever since the Covenant massacre, tens of thousands of Tennesseans have begun waking up and working hard for a safer Tennessee for all. Many organizations, incredible organizations, have been formed. Moms are pissed, dads are pissed, kids are pissed. Everyone is pissed because their politicians are not listening to them. And one of the amazing organizations that was formed in the aftermath of Covenant is an organization called Rise and Shine Tennessee. And today, my guests are going to share their stories, how Rise and Shine Tennessee came about, and what they're doing right now to demand and work toward change. You'll recognize one of the names, my good friend, Rochelle Lefebvre. You may recognize her name from the many TV shows and films that she has starred in, or you may recognize her name from when she was a guest on the show a while back, maybe a year and a half ago or so. Since we last spoke, she and her family moved to Nashville and she has been working hard building community and getting involved ever since she arrived last year. My other guest is Alexis Paulson, a lifelong Tennessean, a mom, a healthcare worker, a damn giver, and so much more. Alexis is on the board of Rise and Shine Tennessee, and it was so great to have her on in this conversation to join Rochelle and me. She is very clearly a special person, which you're about to find out. Before we jump into this conversation, I'd like to ask you to do something for me and really for you. As you listen, don't just think about what you need to do or what you want to do as a result of hearing this conversation. Think about with whom you want to do those things, with whom you want to give a damn. It is clear in this conversation that you're about to hear that Rochelle and Alexis are doing so much more, they're doing much better work together than they could do alone. Giving a damn alone is fine and sometimes that's what it takes, but it can and will be lonely because we are meant to do this shit together, celebrating wins, grieving losses, putting in the work. So friends, keep that in mind as you listen. Who do you want to give a damn with? A quick reminder, as always, that you can email me anytime and for any reason at, hello at let's give a damn.com You can ask questions, recommend future guests, tell me how much you love or hate the show, anything goes. I just love hearing from you. And now let's get right into my conversation with the incredible Rochelle Lefebvre and the equally incredible Alexis Paulson. Let's go. Rochelle and Alexis, welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. So happy to have you here.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Um, Okay. I know Rochelle really well. You are my friend. I love you. It's been so good to get to know you over the past couple of years and Alexis, the first time we are meeting and seeing each other and friends, we have so much to discuss today. Thank you. First of all, for pulling this off pretty last minute. Um, In the last few days, we put this together. We were going to do it yesterday. I had to cancel. We're doing it on the eve of when it releases. So this will be out. We are recording this on a Monday evening. You all that are faithful to the podcast will listen to it on Tuesday within 24 hours of this thing getting recorded. I'm actually glad that we had to wait. Um, Glad because some shitty things have happened in the meantime. Mm -hmm. One being in your state, uh, just a few hours ago, Representative Justin Jones was silenced once again by Speaker Cameron Sexton, uh, a not so great person. Um, that's putting it very lightly. And today is also, we've got a few things that are happening in our country and I think they're all intertwined with what's happening in Tennessee. I'll shut up here in a second, but, you cause I want you to introduce yourselves, but it is very interesting that like today is the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. Dr. King's very iconic. I have a dream speech. And eight years before that, on this day, Emmett Till was brutally murdered. Three days ago, Saturday evening, three black people being targeted and murdered by a a very loud and proud white supremacist. There's some really intense... Oh, and then just a few hours ago, a shooting at uh, uh, University of North Carolina. Like, what is going on? Um, and I love that you all are um, moms and women and activists and One of you, Alexis, has been in Tennessee for a long, 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 long time, and Rochelle is new, so we have so much to talk about. Uh, Alexis, why don't you begin by just sharing a bit of your story, the people, places, and things that have made you who you are today, that have gotten you to this place where you're at, and then we'll go over to Rochelle.
2: Thanks, Nick. Um, So, right, I uh, am a native Tennessean. Technically born in Ohio, but um, moved here when I was two weeks old. So I think I can claim native Tennessee. I uh, lived can, yeah. here my whole life. Yeah. I grew up in a suburb just south of Nashville called Brentwood. It's the most wealthy community in Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same community where uh, Marsha Blackburn and um, Governor Bill Lee come from, and a lot of our uh, state uh, leaders have hailed from Brentwood, Williamson County area. I went to public school there, uh, raised by Republicans, um, and raised in the church, taught to be a good girl, taught to, uh, taught to be kind to others, take care of others. Um, and I, uh, decided really in high school that I wanted to be a nurse to serve, um, women really. I wanted to do women's health, um, to take care of women and especially younger women who may have um, also been brought up in uh, homes or communities where their health wasn't always prioritized or spoken about even. Um, so I, uh, I went straight through school to become a nurse practitioner. Um, I've been doing that for about 17 years now. Working full time as a nurse practitioner here in the Nashville area, first in a community health center in North Nashville, which is a predominantly Black um, community. We served um, uninsured and underinsured patients there, and um, that was really a formative experience for me. After going to grad school in Philadelphia, too, I, um, you know, I got out of the Brentwood bubble, as as we call it, and uh, got a good dose of. Um, real world and, um, got to know and love so many people outside of, of, uh, my home community. And yeah, that really shaped a lot of my perspectives and, um, helped direct my life, um, in a lot of ways in terms of activism, active with Planned Parenthood, um, eventually active with Moms Demand Action, um, My uh, in-laws are very politically active. Always encouraged um, me and uh, their kids to to be involved and aware of policies and politics. So um, that pretty much gets you up to speed. Uh, Oh, also in the past um, few years, too, been really um, interested and um, taking note of all of the hateful policies coming out of the Tennessee legislature. Regarding LGBTQ individuals and excluding them from trying to exclude them from our society and outright exterminate trans people in our state, Um, so that's been a real motivator for me um, over the past year or two. Um, And then uh, Covenant happened, and then the the shooting at Covenant happened, and then we can we can kind of. Take it from there if if you like, unless you have any other questions.
1: Well, we've got so much to talk about when it comes to the horrific massacre that happened to Covenant and the um, like so many tragedies, the I don't know if good is the right word, but the good that comes out of it in terms of people they should have paid attention before, but for whatever reason, life and work and kid, but now they're they're activated and they're motivated and they're. I don't like to use the term woke because we never actually get there. Like someday, you know, if there is an afterlife, that's when I'll be totally woke, whatever that looks like. Right now, I'm just like constantly waking up, right? But, you know, so many incredible things have happened since covenant. It's very clear that you have been giving a damn for a long time. So let me begin by saying thank you for all of that work and all the stuff you've done over the years. Um, If... I may be a little forward here and tell me to fuck off if it's none of my business, but what is your relationship with faith? Like, do you still have a relationship with faith? And because a lot of the issues that you have worked for and have spoken up about, you know, probably a lot of your upbringing uh, and the people that might still live in that environment uh, will frown upon. Because they've done so with me, um, as my yeah. you know, as my kids, you know, wear as my little children wear shirts that say "Keep your bands off our bodies." You know, that's that sends certain of my family members into a bit of a a bit of a tailspin. So, yeah, what is your relationship with faith uh, currently?
2: Yeah, so um, I would say that I still have a lot of faith in humanity. Um, I see so much, uh, so much magic and so much, um, so much good that comes out of humanity. Uh, I have a lot of respect for people of faith. Um, I, I believe in it. I believe that they, um, draw a lot of, uh, courage and strength, especially in hard times from their faith. And, um, but I lean more on what I was taught in Sunday school as a child, about taking care of our neighbors, feeding the hungry, <laughs> taking care of the sick. Um, and those values have really stuck with me. And those were values that my parents, my Republican parents instilled in me too. Um, so uh, as as I grew up, I kind of pulled away from organized religion. Um, I don't know if it was intentional or not. Um, also, just sort of finding my own way in the world. Maybe some detachment from home and parents and all of that was part of it. Um, but yeah, I I find that I get all the comfort and support that I need from the humans in my life.
1: Amazing, I love that, uh, Rochelle, my friend. Uh, how Hello, about you? Genali. I mean, people <laughs> people did hear from you on the podcast. What was that? A I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, um, but remind us, who are you? What are you up to? And, and, and kind of like, as you tell that story, um, bring us to the who, what, when, where, and why of moving from LA to Tennessee. What was that about? And what's this last year been like? It's been quite the first year in Tennessee. Um, I know that.
0: Yeah. Well, given, um, given how many guests you've had on your podcasts and I know you have some uh, really, you know, dedicated listeners. Um, but I, I, would be surprised if anybody remembered, um, but I, I will do a, so I'll do a quick refresh, but, um, I think some of the, um, the foundation definitely sits on, like I was born and raised in Canada. There's no telling my story without that piece because I came into this world into universal. I was born into universal healthcare, (laughs) right? Um, I spent my formative years knowing that I was going to be able to go to university if I got into one (laughs) Um, and that my parents were not going to go bankrupt trying to pay for it, right? And um, so one of the things that is really um formative and and Alexis didn't use the word but named all of it um which i love cuz i overuse the word but you know privilege right all the things we name um, are the privilege that you come into the world with and I came into the uh, household that was middle class my mom was a psychologist my dad was a school teacher high school teacher um but my privilege in addition to being white um, was also that I could go to the doc my parents could take me to the doctor whenever they wanted and um, and there's something about um, socialized, uh, education that maybe it's not entirely a meritocracy and I'm not saying that there's no nepotism in Canada, but certainly it's a meritocracy in the sense that I understood that if I, if I worked hard, I I really could go to college. Um, and I I think there's, I just, I just came to, came to the U S when I was 25, 24, 25, um, for an acting job. And, um, and I remember being struck when I moved here by, you know, I heard, I'd heard, I'd heard a rumor that there was no healthcare here, that education was unaffordable for most people, um, and certainly even, you know, more affordable at the time when I moved in 2004. Um, but it wasn't until i was really living in the us and i remember i think i i'll tell the story very briefly because i i think i told it the first yeah, time go but for it. um i remember i moved to the us and one of my first memories is standing in a pharmacy watching an elderly couple um like in their like mid 80s and watching the husband give back his medication so that his wife could get her medication because that's all they could afford my god yeah and i still to the, I live very close to the surface and I cry easily. So like I'm still getting to, like, I still, to this day, I can't think about that without having that same sort of both, like, I want to cry and I feel angry and I feel sick um, and all those feelings. And so that was my first introduction to like, oh, something is broken here. And mm. I'm new here, so I don't know what it is. And I, I'm going to try to understand it. Um, so I, I was not an activist. I was more just, I feel like I was more just in shock, for many years. Right. And then realizing, um, so healthcare was my first introduction to that, realizing the parents slept in front of emergency rooms, um, and didn't go in with their children, um, because they were afraid of the bill. So, you know, outside in their cars, taking their kids temperature every 10 minutes to decide if they were going to go in and risk, you know, risk having that bill. Um, and I remember being struck by that. And then, of course, you know, um, the the affordability of, of college and then a disappearing middle class. Uh, and then I and I was a green card holder and I hadn't yet become a citizen. And then Trump got elected and I knew that I needed voting rights. <laughs> and, yeah, you
2: did.
0: Yeah, I did. Um, and so I became a citizen and then something happened to me standing there doing the Pledge of Allegiance and being sworn in. And I, something just, in that you know, something just clicked for me. And I went, I have voting rights now. What does that mean in my adopted homeland? And like, what, is it, what does it mean to have a civic duty? And what am I going to do with this? Um, and so I had been involved with various organizations. And, um, but again, to name privilege, like I, I was living in California. I was living in a very blue state with some of the most LGBTQAI+ plus, uh, IA+ plus laws in the country with some some of the, if not the strictest, you know some of the strictest um, gun safety laws in the country, right? Um, and a myriad of environmental protections like you know just a, a whole yeah. slew of things that I had the privilege to be complacent about. So I was involved with nonprofits and I thought that was enough. I thought that because I had resources, if I give my, you know, whatever my name was worth at the time, um, if I give my name and my voice and my likeness to causes I care about to amplify them and I give my resources to nonprofits to do work I think needs to be done and help people I think need need helping, um, then that will be enough. Uh, and I, I fully admit that. And I was, I was wrong. I was really wrong. I didn't, I was not doing enough. Um, and then my... In the middle of the pandemic, um, my husband and I, after we had kids, had been talking a lot about moving somewhere that was greener and where you sort of talk, talk to your neighbors more (laughs) than you do in L.A. Like, like super like I'm a socialist, right? Like super liberal, progressive, you know, obviously vote uh, Democratic. And then um, uh, but I'm but I'm like not old fashioned, but I I have this sort of like I don't know, maybe it's like a is it a leave it to beaver streak? I don't know. I think when the neighbors move in, we should bake them pie like that's how I want to live you know um and uh, i love community building it's a kind of a superpower that i have cuz i love people and i'm o- i'm okay putting myself out there to bring them together so we talked about moving to a place where there was water and greenery and wide open spaces for our children and it was more affordable and uh, nashville came into the mix and I, uh, we talked about can we can we really live in the south okay nashville's a blue bubble Okay, there are good people everywhere, you know, on uh, on on uh, election day when I stand in line to vote, everybody's polite, you know, like I don't know who you're voting for, but everybody stands in the line in the same line in the same civil manner. Yep. Great. Um we'll we'll go there. <laughs> and so and so we came here and um And this is where in the last year, I have really learned that I was not doing enough. And I came face to face with what I thought was activism and what I thought was participating in making a change in the world. Turned out to be complacency and privilege and not enough. And so one of the first things I did was I went looking for where the people who are doing the work, the real work that I have not been doing and how do I get tapped in and how do I help. and then i met alexis <laughs> so
1: and then you here, met alexis and, and the then rest I met is alexis. history
0: <laughs> here and the rest is history and who knew that uh, who knew that uh, you know that another white chick born in brentwood tennessee you know was going to be the person who was going to be my tour guide for what real activism looked like and you know protests unlike protests that I had attended before and, and, and all that. So yeah, she's really led the way for me.
1: Yeah. Alexis, what can you describe, um, th- not the first time you met Rochelle, but like, how did this friendship sort of form? Uh, and what has sort of taken place since then in, in your friendship? I know a lot of great things and we'll get to rise and shine here in a minute. And a lot of the stuff that's happened that the, I'm sure a lot of the horrific things that have happened the past few months have really galvanized this friendship and partnership and, you know, and it's and the, the group has gotten bigger and all that stuff. But how did that, how did that start? Because I, I'm, I'm so, I'm endlessly fascinated with humans in general and also like how certain people meet and how serendipitous and beautiful it is and the great things that come out of uh, sometimes meeting the most random people. I don't know how random it is. You'll tell me here in a second, but like, I just want to hear, yeah. How did this start? Because obviously I I believe that great, great things are, are already coming out of this friendship and we'll continue to do so.
2: Thanks. Yeah. Um, I think Rochelle, thank you, Rochelle, for what you said. That's very generous. I, I would say that it's been a partnership and a group effort, um, you know, all, all that we've done in, in the past year. But to answer your, your question, Nick, I think um, like Rochelle said, she's a great commu- um, community builder. So we have kids the same age, around the same ages, and they have a lot in common. And she we live in the same neighborhood. Coincidentally, Rochelle rented a house in the neighborhood where we've lived for about eight or nine years Um, she met another neighbor and became friends with her, that other neighbor I was friends with is sort of a mutual friend situation. And then Rochelle said, bring your kids over, um, to the house. I'm inviting a bunch of, a bunch of families over to hang out and don't dress up. Just, you know, we're going to eat cheese or (laughs) latkes or whatever you were serving that night. (laughs) And, um, and I did, and I met um, met some other people that I hadn't met before, too, and it was just a lovely um, hang. And I remember so clearly um, when I left, uh, we all filed out of the house, and Rochelle said, can I give you a hug? I'm a hugger, which I've heard her say a thousand times now since. Um, and she gave me a hug and said, you have a beautiful family. And it really touched my heart. Um, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> And, um, so, uh, I think we, yeah, our love story sort of, sort of devolved from there.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. I want to, I want to say this because since moving to New York three years ago, you know, I've made it very clear that we never, we, so I don't know if you know this, Alexis, we lived in Nashville for four years before moving to New York and really didn't enjoy living in we, we didn't enjoy living in the South for a lot of the aforementioned reasons. Um, sure at the same time though I've lived all over the place I I'm the son of a Guatemalan immigrant lived in Guatemala growing up I've spent time in 30 40 countries I I'm and I've been in every uh, United States I've been all over the place I know people I know what works what doesn't work and Nashville, the people in Nashville blew me away, like absolutely blew me away. There are still, there is something special about it to the point where even though I'm not sure there's any amount of money you could pay me to move back for a few reasons, like some of the best people I've ever met and relationships that I'll never stop having in fact, I was just, I just sent a video to a friend. Uh, my cigar, my favorite cigar room on the planet is in Nashville, Smoker's Abbey. Shout out, Smoker's Abbey. Um, started by a former pastor who created really like one of the most beautiful cheers-like environments where, again, I have I have places I love to go in dozens of countries. Like I've I've got journals full of like when you go here, go there. And there, I can count on one hand the amount of places that make me feel like Smokers Abbey that I can still go in and literally feel like I never left. That is so rare. And it's not just Smokers Abbey. It's not just, uh, Josh who started it. It is, it's also Nashville. It's also, I think there's really special things that happen in the South that can't happen in the American South that can't happen anywhere else because of the, you know, that we'll call it, leave it to beaver, call it whatever you want, but there's this beautiful, um, there are beautiful things that happen in Tennessee. Like, I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand why people go. Like, I don't know if we will ever go back, like, for mm-hmm. any extended period of time, but like, I totally get why. And sometimes I really fucking miss it. Like, that's mm-hmm. so true. Uh, because, you know, our favorite home ever, we lived in so many homes. We had this little home, like this cheap piece of crap home that we rented that, but it, Like we, I wish we could move that home from there to Manhattan, which would be impossible because everything about that little home we loved. And it was the place that we had so many hangs around the fire and so many, we had in this small, like 900 square foot home, we had 40, 50 people over for Halloween and like all these big parties. And so I say that big for, for, for your sake as well, to, to reiterate that I support you all and want to do everything I can. Like Tennessee holds a special place in my heart. I'm going to continue supporting Tennessee and supporting you all. Um, and and I get it. I get what the way you just described that, like, come over. Like, it's, it's hard to do that in Manhattan. I love Manhattan. New York City is my favorite city on the planet. And that shit does not happen here. Nobody wants anything to do with each other. We're all just, like, trying to get where we're going. We just got off a, you know, a delayed train and this and that mm-hmm. and everything else that's happening. So um, even as we talk through some of the hard stuff that's happening in Tennessee right now, I think it's a really, it's ripe for amazing groups and activism and incredible things to happen because of the way that Tennesseans treat each other and Mm -hmm. do things with each other. So all that being said, uh, thank you for sharing how you two met. Uh, Rochelle, um, I would love to hear um, how you got involved with Rise and Shine. Give me some timeline. I want you, Alexis, after to describe sort of your involvement with Rise and China. I know you're a board member. And I've seen over the past few months, you know, ever since Covenant, um, I've seen groups sort of pop up that have been incredibly active and very effective. Um, and Rise and China is one of them. I mean, that like I follow the Tennessee Holler, I follow obviously news from Tennessee as well. I, I still follow all the, the news accounts from Tennessee. And y'all come up over and over and over and over again because you're there, you're showing up, you're doing the work. And so, Rochelle, yeah, could you um, walk me through how you came to know Rise and Shine? And then, Alexis, I'd love for you to describe where Rise and Shine came from and what's happening.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna overlap a little bit into the question you just asked Alexis because yeah, they're, please they're, do. they're sort of yeah, yeah. part and parcel. But um yeah, and I think that also in that answer, um, embedded in that answer is echoing everything you just said, right? Which is um not because I wanna pay lip service or because you know, oh well, people are listening. What if I what if somebody hears this? They see me at the grocery store. Although if they're listening to your podcast, I'm probably gonna, they're probably gonna we're gonna smile at each other in the grocery store. But um but it it really is true i moved here and i'm blown away constantly by the the kindness and the community and have had amazing experiences with people. And we'll get to it. But part of what we do with Rise is we've done some connection points where we leave. We leave. You know, it's important. Nashville's in Tennessee and Rise and Shine is, it's Rise and Shine, Tennessee. It's not Rise and Shine, Nashville. And so we have left Davidson County and gone to, you know, more rural counties and and talked to people. And um, I've had lots of conversations with um, our state troopers and with police officers and, you know, um, people who get really typecast and really vilified in these conversations in terms of their role here specifically, um, in terms of being talked about as groups rather than individuals um, and human beings. And um, and I'm not sympathizing with institutions, but what I do want to name is what it's like to have one-on-one conversations with people here. And it is, there's something to the Southern hospitality, kindness kind of interaction. Um, and that's very much important in the Rise story because what happened was I, um, so after the uh, after the Covenant shooting, um, there were all of these, you know, gatherings were organized and um, they were protests. They were people getting together, having, uh, you know, like-minded people getting together, having discussions, brainstorm sessions, what can we do, really people coming together. Um, to a lot of whom were motivated for the first time and i i understand how that i understand how sad that is on on the one hand and the idea that you know um we're just going to there's it's it's impossible not to name right that this happened at a wealthy school in a well a wealthy private school christian in a neighborhood and it was a predominantly white school in a predominantly white neighborhood and all of a sudden it looks like all of these people care for the first time, right? Whereas black and brown women have been leading their communities and leading this charge and um, burying their children in, I was going to say unacceptable numbers, but one is unacceptable, right? Um, To gun violence. And and, and so just, yes, that bears naming. Um, And also a movement doesn't become change without a majority of people rising up to care about it, right? And showing up. And so to the people who are new, I think it's really important to also say, um, to your point about like waking up as opposed to being woke, like anybody who's waking up, great, welcome. I welcome you. Absolutely. I am not. We're not gonna pretend, I'm certainly not gonna pretend like I've been awake since day one, right? Not at all. Um, so... I was looking for, you know, how to, how to get involved in this community and, and all these people are, you know, joining and there's all these organizations. And I was already a supporter of mom's demand and, and every town. And, um, and I went to Alexis during all of this. And I was like, you know, just tell me any, tell me anything you're going to tell me anything you know about. Cause you know, you know, you know, Nashville and Tennessee so much better than me. And she invited me to some things. And then there was one event we went to, um, and, Miriam uh, Abufazli, every time I say it quickly, especially when I'm tired, I screw up the L, but <laughs> uh, Miriam's got up to speak and Rise hadn't been born yet, but she got up to speak and I turned to Alexis after she spoke and I said, who is that where she goes I follow? If she ever does anything, that's where my energy and my resources are going. And sure enough, I got an invite from Alexis, not that long afterwards, and she said, Miriam's doing something. Come to her house where there's gonna be donuts and cheese, always cheese with us, right? Always cheese, Um, apparently. There's gonna be donuts and cheese and a group of people, and we're gonna brainstorm what this is gonna look like, but she's gonna do something. And we sat in a room, and everyone, uh, it was all women, um, all, all women, and um, we sat in a room. And the, the one thing that came out of it at the end of this like two hour, I don't know, three hour, however long we were there, what came out of it was this one idea. And the idea was every Tennessean Everyone, right? Everyone has different issues. Everyone has a different primary issue, secondary issue, right? And people have their own core values that they bring to whatever organization or cause they're supporting. And they might support other things alongside that that sometimes conflict. And, you know, it's complicated. Activism is complicated, right? And so how do we cut to the heart of that? And what we came to is every Tennessean deserves to live a life of freedom, safety, dignity, and joy, And while you are pursuing your life of freedom, safety, dignity, and joy, you may not infringe on anyone else's freedom, safety, dignity, and joy. And so that was how Rise was born for me in my heart in terms of knowing that this was was the organization that I was going to be ride or die with. Um, Alexis, do you want to do you want to add more? Do you want to like take the origin story from there and kind of, kind of run with it?
2: Sure. Well, yeah, I would say too, that Miriam, I started following Miriam on uh, Instagram. Someone had recommended her, uh, because she was explaining what was going on in the state legislature immediately after the covenant shooting. And she was actually the one that organized that large protest, um, three days after the shooting, which we were all at. Um, And, uh, so I started following her started, um, she was just breaking things down in a really, um, understandable way saying, okay, here's what's happening today. And here's what's happening tomorrow. And I'll update you again tonight when I know more. And just having that touchstone of someone, you know, poking you saying, here's what's going on. Here's what we're doing. I'm going here. There's this thing going over there on over there too. That's good too. But I'll be over here if you want to come meet me there. And so I just started coming to all the things where she was. And I just started showing up. And I introduced myself. Um, I think it was just Justin Pearson's uh reappointment to the house. Uh we went to that ceremony on legislative plaza, the People's Plaza. Saw her there, introduced myself, said, I follow you on Instagram. What are you doing next? I, I want to come with you. And she was like, Yeah, great, you know. Uh so we connected that way. Um and I agree with with Rochelle. She's very magnetic and very strong um, leader who um, I, I'm not sure had been in so much of a leadership position until this moment um, where she was kind of forced into it because everyone was coming to her saying, what are we doing? Where are we going? What should we do? What do we say? What do we bring? Who will be there?
0: Because she's also and, born um, because she's also born and raised and had been yes. involved before this, right? She had been legitimately involved with nonprofits and activism, and that was who she was already.
2: Exactly, yes. Um, And so then she, you know, we kept talking, and I went up to her at an event, um, you know, a week or two into that session and said, I'm done. I'm done making phone calls. I'm done signing petitions. I'm done writing postcards. It's not working. This isn't working we have to do something else. And she was like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) And that was sort of, I think, kind of the origin of of the plan. She called me probably a couple days later and said, I'm starting an organization. I want you to be on the board or in leadership in some capacity. We'd known each other a couple weeks at this point. (laughs) And I was like, okay, that's great. Um, I'm not sure that I'm interested because I have all these other issues that I care about too. And I don't want them to be, you know, I don't want to detract um, from my other activism to just work on gun safety, even though obviously it was forefront of everyone's mind at that time. You know, like Rochelle said, we all have different causes that we care about and that affect us personally in some ways. So I was like, Oh, I don't know, Miriam, you know, I, it sounds awesome, and I'll follow you. I'll do anything you ask me to do. But, um, but you know, I just I'm conflicted about that. And she said, "Well, then let's make it a a multi issue organization. So we're not just focusing on gun issues. We're focusing on everything we care about and everything that we think Tennesseans deserve." Um, and I was like, "Okay, done." So, um, yeah. Then we we had that meeting with all of these other women who had been reaching out to Miriam women in my community who I had been working with on other issues in the past, like Erica who's been so active in fighting for trans rights. Um, Erica Bowden. Um, she's a lot. She's on Tennessee Holler a lot. <laughs> you could look her up. She's testified. I've, I've, I've
1: seen her many I've times. Her. <laughs> she's yeah.
2: amazing. Our, our kids are the same age. They go to the same school. And so we've connected. And so I brought her along. I was like, this is the lady that Miriam's the lady that we're all gonna rally around and support and figure out how to shape this and and where to take it. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was in April, right, Rochelle?
0: Yeah, that was in now April. Now we're in August.
2: Um and in the past four months. Um, We have formed an organization with over 100 volunteers, active volunteers, not just reading a newsletter. Oh, that was the other thing. I said, we're not sending out petitions. We're not telling people to call anymore. (laughs) Uh, We're not sending out a weekly newsletter. (laughs) Cause I just delete those, <laughs> and I'm sick 100%. of getting all these newsletters.
0: Although we do now We've have find another way in. We do now have a, a weekly <laughs> An newsletter, we, but, but it's only updates. It's not our position on anything. It's just the updates on right. where the it's get togethers you need are to know and where this to week. be. And right. it's okay if you don't read it every week.
2: <laughs> I, yeah. I compromised on that, but that was a big thing for me. I was like, I, because it's so easy to sign up for a newsletter And say, oh, I did my activism today. I signed up for that newsletter. And now I'm informed. Now I'm doing the work. Now I can check off my good deed of the day. And then, you know, that just goes to the spam folder or you just delete it because you have 30 other emails you have to pay attention to every day. And I'm guilty of that, for sure. So I said, we're not doing that. We're going to have personal outreach. Everybody that wants to join us, they're going to know us. They're going to know our faces. We're going to be friends. It's not just um, a job, you know, it's not just activism. It's going to be a community where we all love each other, honestly, (laughs) and support each other in, in everything that we're doing. Um, so we try to personalize as much as we can. Obviously as we grow, that's going to get tougher and tougher. We'll have to like, I don't know pyramid scheme it out or something.
0: No, no, I'm still, no, no, <laughs> but, no, 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 no. I'm not outsourcing my volunteer engagement job. I am still going to hug everyone and get to know them and cry with them and hold them while they howl at the moon. <laughs> yeah.
1: Rochelle's yes. a, Rochelle's a good hugger, so just make her the hugger, really the hugger in chief.
2: Oh, she's hearts and morale chief. Um, yeah. yeah, and she takes care. Of, she's everyone's mama, and yeah, takes care of everybody um, in in good times and in bad.
0: Um I, I, so it's I, also, that was
2: sort of the idea.
0: It's also, Go and ahead. I just want to note right. also one of the things that um that Miriam did, which was uh like from the get, when it when she was like, Okay, we're really doing this, um, when she introduced the board, it was uh, it was majority BIPOC women. Mm-hmm. That was her board. And I was like, because I, I kept waiting to see, like, who's going to be in the leadership roles, right? right. Who are going to be the people calling the shots in this organization? Who's going to be the guiding light of this organization? And when I looked at the board mm-hmm. and I went, oh, it's more than half of this, more than 50% of this board is um, is BIPOC women. And that was one of the first things that let me know that she was serious about the conversations we'd had about the DEI stuff and the larger umbrella and the responsibility that we had um, to make sure that we were amplifying the right voices and that we were listening to the right voices Mm -hmm. in terms of how we moved forward. Um, And I'm not trying to say that, you know, I'm not not trying to say like, it's so great. Like we have inclusion, (laughs) Um, but it's like, that was, that really is a core thing, right? If you, like I'm new here, I can't be calling the shots like right. new no, and I'm a white lady. I can't, I can't be the one to be overseeing this. I'm not the right person for that. Um. So also giving Miriam credit um, that mm-hmm. she knew that that was, she knew that that was the only way to go.
2: Yes. Intentional. It was intentional. Thank you. Been, That's the word. Has been, yeah. A consistent thread. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's really beautiful, and I, I I wish someone maybe maybe that someone is me. But I I I I what you just shared is so fascinating. The whole like journey, and I know you only shared bits and pieces of it, right? We could we could spend hours talking about what's happened over the last few months. But what is very clear to me is that this has happened fast, but with a tremendous amount to to reiterate what you just said with a tremendous amount of intentionality. Again, I don't for one second think it's been easy and perfect and seamless, but this thing has grown really fucking quickly in the past few months. Um, I know what it takes to start these things and it's hard and it's cumbersome. And there's, there's the good moments and then there's the bureaucratic bullshit moments and everything Mm -hmm. in between. And Mm -hmm. so what has happened as far as I can tell is nothing short of a miracle. And You know, part of that is Miriam, as you both keep, you know, heaping praises on Miriam, but it's partly you all as well. And people, again, continuing to show up each and every morning to continue waking up, right? Mm -hmm. I read this quote the other day. uh, Brian Andreas said, you know, uh, slaying a dragon is easy try waking up every morning and loving the world all over again that's that takes a hero mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in places like tennessee everywhere that 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 quote is true but mm-hmm. the the quickness with which foolishness is dispersed in your state is means that i think it's a little harder for you to wake up every morning and love your world right
0: definitely but it, oh sorry Absolutely. alexis did you want to take that
2: I was just going to mention, you know, honestly, before covenant, my family was thinking a lot about leaving Tennessee. Um, and you know, that's still a possibility down the road, but it had become a really inhospitable environment for our family. And I'm still enraged that someone who's a Nashville, Tennessee native, um, who contributes in the way that I do to our community, both um, in my work, but also in my activism. My, my husband is extremely active in the entertainment um, business and, uh, um, and community here uh, that we could potentially get shoved out of a place that we have lived in our whole lives um, by the supermajority legislature who's creating a um, a war zone for all of us. Um, mm-hmm. And so to, I just want to name that it is not always easy to get up and rise and shine in Tennessee and be happy to do it, um, especially as we see how much it is harming our community and, and sometimes directly our families.
0: Yeah. I I think, um, I mean, just add to that, like, yes, we're, we're, we're giving loads of credit to Miriam and, and she deserves it. Um, but in terms of growing, uh, in terms of growing rise and in terms of the amount of people who feel the way that Alexis feels and, and really feel motivated to like, well, I have to participate in changing this place where I can't stay here. Um, In terms of how fast we've grown, uh, I would also, I'd like to thank the Academy, I'd like to thank (laughs) Miriam, and I'd like to thank the Tennessee legislature for (laughs) passing so much unbelievably hateful legislation so fast. Like when you say this happened fast,
2: right, Nick,
0: um, I know that what you mean is simultaneously like the growth of rise and how fast they move at passing their slate of hate. And the thing that I, you know, we talked about leaving. Also, like the minute we got here, like we were like, or what are we doing here? We got to." Yeah, what the hell to, did we
1: just do? What did we just yeah. do?
0: Thank God we rented. Thank God we didn't buy a house. We got to go now, right? Um, and then one of the reasons why we didn't end up moving was because we found my husband and I this, you know, these ways to ways to be active. Um, but the thing that really did it was I was here long enough, and because I like people, we've established I'm a hugger, and I like to, but I really do talk to people everywhere I go, for better or for worse, right? I want to know you. And um, and I my husband jokes about, you know, that we can't get ice cream without me getting the life story of the person scooping the ice cream, right? But what that did is I realized really quickly that what this legislature was doing was not the will of the majority of the tennessee of tennessee
2: 100% exactly that is exactly
0: and you can say that until you're blue in the face but i needed to hear it for myself i needed to know for myself right so i had good people around me and great people doing this activism telling me this isn't what we're really like this isn't what tennessee is really like this isn't who tennessee really is and i was skeptical oh oh really and it wasn't until i started doing things like approaching you know, the troopers when I was down at the legislature or cops on the street or at a concert or, um, or just, you know, people at, at, um, at uh, farmer's markets in rural areas in Tennessee where we had driven to. It wasn't until I started having one-on-one conversations with people. I mean, I went to, I drove deep into Franklin to buy chairs off Facebook Marketplace because when we moved, we didn't have any dining room chairs and ended up standing in the driveway of a very conservative Christian Republican family for two and a half hours because they were willing to talk to me face-to-face. Alexis is laughing. I can see you laughing. Yeah, of course I did that, right? (laughs) Um, But... It, this, this I hope Chris wasn't waiting in the car. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Chris was not waiting in the car. Chris was texting me and I wasn't answering. And he, it was 1030 at night and he thought that I'd been abducted. It was not funny when I got home. I was in trouble. Oh, that's but, um, amazing. But, I, but I've had all these conversations and they, they continue to surprise me because every single time people say things like, yeah, I don't, we don't hate anybody. Yeah, we, we actually, like, we don't understand. Like, we're not for this. This isn't how we live. This isn't something that we support in our family. Mm-hmm. And they're very open about that. But I have no desire to to make laws about how someone else makes these choices, right? I've had conversations with people about that, about 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 the autonomy of birthing bodies, right? About abortion and the right of people in birthing bodies to make choices for themselves. I have heard this time and time again about the drag ban. I have heard this about yes. doctor-prescribed healthcare. Some people might also know it as gender-affirming yes. care, right? We call it doctor-prescribed healthcare in our circles. Um, People uh, have talked to me about gun reform and all the polls, gun safety legislation, all the polls, the 20,000 people that answered Governor Lee, you know, put out this survey for special session, which by the way, no one, not a single legislature, no one, no legislator has mentioned in this. In, we've had five days of special session now, and they have cited studies and bullshit, made up facts and skewed statistics and whatever. You know what nobody has talked about? that 20,000 Tennesseans from all over the state answered the special session survey that the governor himself put out, and 85% of them, many of them, self-professed gun owners, many of them, right? Gun owners who want to keep certain weapons and want to keep certain privileges that they have to keep those weapons and to shoot them at ranges or to go hunting. 85% 85% of them want the things that we want, want the things that Moms Demand Action want, that Rise wants, right? Mm-hmm. And here they are, not doing any of that. And I haven't met doing a the single- opposite. Doing the opposite. And I haven't met a single person who, to my face, and people have said some pretty outlandish things, no one has said to me, yeah, yeah, I really, really hate those gay kids. Really need those, really need those right. gay kids to go back into the closets from whence they came, you know? Or my life's been ruined. My child's life has been ruined by the trans kid who's in their class. Like, these are not the stories. This is not what nope. you'll hear from Tennessee. So thanks to the legislature, nope. Rise and Shine is growing gangbusters because they're not representing the state that I now call home.
1: No, it's—, it's That you, was a you rant. Sorry. <laughs> no, the, the, rant away. That's that's what this this platform is for, all of the above. Storytelling, rants, the the angry <laughs> moments, the happy moments— But you're bringing up something that is very, um, um, it's very appropriate right now, especially for you know I live in a very you know democratic, progressive city. Still, lots of conservatives here, but we I don't have to worry about a lot of the things that you all do. I mean, everybody here is pro-choice and this and that and the other. But you're so right that when you you wouldn't be able to tell that by looking at the this session that we're in the middle of right now in Tennessee. Or by looking at the media and the videos that they choose to show, and the people or the they choose to interview. Facebook
0: page of the moms for the liberty of children to be illiterate and hateful, <laughs> or
1: or whoever. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. You wouldn't. You would. But but when you but when you start asking very basic questions about choice and about autonomy and about wanting the most Thank amount you. of people to have. Uh, uh, joy, freedom, and, safety, uh, dignity, freedom, and joy. <laughs> freedom, safety, <laughs> dignity, and joy. Everybody agrees on that with very yep. few exceptions. Yep. And really what you just described and what I'm sort of re- re-describing is really the only reason that I have not left this country, um, like forever. Like it still might happen depending on what happens next year. I, I'm getting my dual citizenship ready uh, because I just Things are getting very, very shaky and and horrific. Um and just I feel unsafe uh, being here as this uh, anyway, you all get it. but but, but, but the thing that keeps me here is the fact that when I start going around and talking and you, Rochelle, you and i are we are very much alike. I, every time I go to the grocery store, I recommend forty seven products to forty seven different people. Like I can't and and it's all because I want to like I, I want to have at least some little interaction with you. Um, and I have, and I have stood in driveways in different places for hours talking yeah. to people. So we're on the same page there, but the more like, as I, as I go around and talk to more people and I'm trying to still figure out what let's give a damn is about and what, what's, what are the ways we can be most effective? I am constantly reminded that we are mostly on the same page and that these assholes are not representing the will of the people. Um, uh, both from a, I mean, that's all the way from the top. That's from. You know, that's the Senate, the Congress, governors, mayors, like those in power, which are predominantly old white people, are not representing the will of the people. They are falsely talking about what they think the people in their constituency believe, but they don't. They don't believe that. Most people want the most amount of people to have freedom, joy, dignity, right? And so, um, and it's why I have hope for Tennessee, what I would love to do here, I want—I want to be respectful of our time. We still have a little bit more I want to discuss. I would stay on for hours talking with you, but it's late at night for for all of us. Um, Alexis, describe what's happening right now. Most people already know. Most people that are constantly waking up, uh, pursuing wokeness, they know what's happening in Tennessee right now, regardless of whether they live in or around Tennessee. But describe what's happening. Describe what we're in the second week of. Describe what's not happening. Uh, describe what is happening to um, um, representatives that are speaking up for the majority of Tennesseans. Um, What's happening? Because it seems like when I scroll through my Twitter or X feed, whatever, like that's such a weird thing to say. When I scroll through my Twitter feed, um, thanks, Elon, uh, it's just Tennessee over and over, like from all, all angles, people that live in all the places are talking about what's happening in Tennessee. And it really, in my mind, hasn't stopped. Well, it hasn't stopped since because I was very, we still lived there in 2020. We moved shortly after, but I was down there with Justin Jones all the time, um, protesting, almost getting arrested, uh, sometimes having not so great conversations with the state uh, state patrol. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm very aware of sort of what's happened over the last two or three years but it, it feels like it's been a constant barrage since the Covenant shooting, which should have been the beginning of change in Tennessee. And all it's been is just an absolute shit show. So it's kind of sort of all culminated to now this special session. What's what's going on, Alexis? And then I want to turn to you, Rochelle, and we'll talk for a little bit about what can we do, both, both, both Tennesseans that are listening, Thankfully, a lot of Tennesseans are listening that sort of got on the let's give a damn bandwagon when I lived there, but also those of us that are not living there. How can we support? How can we help? So Alexis, what's happening in a special session right now?
2: Okay. Um, I hate to do this. Can I take us back to April for just a moment?
1: Go back. I just want to
2: mention that the only business that the Tennessee state legislature got done in the week or two after covenant before they adjourned for the entire year until next January, the only business that they settled was that the Tennessee three would be, or Justin Pearson and Justin Jones would be expelled. You know, we had to go through that whole trial and they, um, passed a law that gun manufacturers would not be held liable for the insur- for the, uh, injuries that their weapons cause. So we have crying mothers on the steps of the Capitol begging for change. And that's the law that they decide to pass in our, in front of our faces. So obviously everyone who's there, everyone who's paying attention is going to be riled up and ready to, um, you know, burn the city down basically. Um, Sadly, uh, you know, (sighs) The summer, the summer then happens, and a lot of people. There's a lot of attrition, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, but we did continue to find and grow within our community people who wanted to continue to stay interested. We um, used our volunteers throughout the summer to do things like analyze those 20,000 comments sent to governor Lee. We we created a whole report on all of those. Um, we had other events. We went out to all these rural places to talk to other Tennesseans, all of that. So we kind of spent the summer working and doing our homework. And then, uh, governor Lee announced this special session that was, um, considered an exceptional session for, to be, um, Focused on Tennessee safety, which was read to mean as gun safety um, right. oriented, um, he had softened on his uh, opposition to gun safety laws after Covenant. He had a personal friend who was murdered in uh, that shooting. Um, he also has a personal he has other personal history with gun violence, yes. so um, it was uh, it was good to see him softening on this issue and suggesting um, uh, an emergency protection order, uh, we call it an ERPO law, where people who were deemed mentally unstable by the state could be disarmed, um, where their guns could be taken away. So that was one thing that um, a lot of other uh, gun advocacy organizations had been pushing for. So it was good to see a little bit of movement um, on that front. So he schedules this special session. It started last Monday. What was that? The twenty second of August. 78, like days ago, right. 78 days ago, it started.
0: Seventy eight days ago. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Yes,
2: um, a long, long time ago. And um, we there were there was a filing deadline for all the the bills um, for the House and Senate to um, to meet. Uh, before the special session, we—I um, think the, the deadline was the night before. So there were over there was over a hundred bills for us to read and analyze in an evening, wow. you know, basically, um, and then show up to the legislature and see basically what happens. So um, the vast, vast majority of the 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 laws, the bills that were um, were drafted over the summer for the special session had nothing to do with any of the gun safety legislation that is recommended by experts. Um, Nothing that any advocacy organizations were pushing for. Um, There were wonderful bills from Justin Jones and um, other Democrats, but when you're in a supermajority state, they have no obligation to even debate those bills. Um, So we All showed up at the uh, um, Cordell Hole, which is where they have their committee meetings last Monday, um, so that we could sit in on all these committee meetings, hear about all these bills, hear the debate on them, um, show our presence the debate um, on the
0: Republican bills, because on the Democratic bills, they wouldn't yes. hear any of them. So for people who aren't so familiar with the terminology, exactly. not debating the bills means they don't even listen to the description of the bill. They literally gavel right. it in and gavel it out. Someone sits, stands up and then sits down again. They didn't even have the dignity to hear the bills. Just wanted exactly. to add that.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. So we showed up with signs. Um Signs that said things like one gun is greater than, or I'm sorry, one one kid is greater than all the guns. Um, signs like eyes wide open because we had a feeling that this special session was going to be um, disappointing mm. and that our representatives were not going to be um, doing the things that we asked. So we wanted them to know that we were watching and that we were awake to what was happening in our state uh, legislature uh signs like um we're here for your kids too and make schools safe again. Um and so we we showed up with these signs, we showed up with our new t-shirts. <laughs> Rise and sign t-shirts them. ready to The signs um, are
0: 8 by you. 11, by the way. The 8 by 11. Eight by 11. Right, 11. Paper, the, the size of the piece of paper that comes out of your printer. Yeah.
2: Right. So just to show our presence visually um and uh, make sure that everyone in that house, everyone in that body knows that Tennesseans are watching them and knows what, we, what we're there for. Um, so we started hearing all of these bills, terrible bills about um, uh, blended sentencing. So basically sentencing uh, minors to adult sentences for certain crimes, which we know would disproportionately affect black and brown kids. Um bills like um uh what was that other oh um
0: <laughs> S uh, oh H H B H B seven 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 zero six four <laughs> to allow yes. any person with an any person with an enhanced permit, mm-hmm. and by the way eight hour people, training. It's an eight hour online training. You can pass it while hitting enter and doing other things for eight hours. Um And if you do this online, there's no, there's, you don't have to show up in person. You don't have to show up in person with a weapon to show proficiency or anything like that. It is an online course and they give you an online certificate. And that is called an enhanced permit, which is a misnomer because we don't have permits in Tennessee. We have permitless carry in Tennessee. So you don't need Mm -hmm. a permit to get a gun. But if you want to, if you want to conceal carry, optional, optional permits. If you want to conceal carry, you can do this online enhanced permit course. So this bill allowed anyone, whether you have kids in the school or not, to carry a weapon on school grounds. Right now, anywhere where kids are in school is a gun-free zone. And anywhere that kids have sporting events or if there's, um, let's say there's uh, kids go to a museum for a field trip, anywhere the students go, that automatically becomes a gun-free zone. So this bill allows anyone with an enhanced permit, concealed carry, to bring their weapon into schools into sporting events, into the field trip areas, anywhere where the kids are now becomes a place where anyone can bring a weapon, and it's concealed, and they do not have to let any of the school administrators or anyone know that they are in possession of said weapon Absolutely around these wild. children.
1: Now, now, this this bill, to be clear, did not it did not pass, right? It failed.
0: Not the first time. Oh, it passed. Oh, it passed with flying colors. the First time.
1: Right. And then it failed. We're
2: afraid that it only failed because there's another redundant similar bill that has that appears to be passing.
0: And this is not to be yeah. confused with the Arming Teachers bill, which is a whole other that's yeah. a different bill, right? So if we can't let these people, um there's also I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but I will name one more um, if that's okay, Alexis, because this one also gets yeah, me please. um the bill th- just to remind people, like these are we're all showing up to get them to pass sa- less guns, whatever whatever the gun safety, less, gun safety. and they're gun doing safety. every fucking
1: thing they can to less bring guns more gun- around more kids. Places.
0: Right. Yes. Gun safety and less guns around kids would be great in kids in schools. Right. Um, They uh, they also have a bill that allows if a school chooses not to have an armed resource officer, an SRO, uh, right, a security resource officer. if If they do not, if school chooses not to hire such a person in their school, that the local police station, the local precinct that has jurisdiction in the area where the school lie, where the school resides, that Station has the right, if this bill passes, um, and if it, if it comes back and it passes, to put any one of their officers, I believe retired or active, inside the school as an SRO. And the school cannot say no. So even if every single parent of every single child in that school and all the faculty staff and the entire elected school board and the principal all signed a letter saying, we do not want this armed officer in our school, they would have absolutely no, no power. The local police station is now in charge of security at this school and they can place armed officers in there if they want to. This is the legislation we're sitting through.
2: Yeah. So we, we show up and this is what we're hearing. Right. And also the first day it's announced. Well, it's also announced the first day by Cameron Sexton, the speaker of the house, that there are new rules, surprise, new rules. We had a little committee meeting that we didn't tell you guys about, which is also illegal um, about these new safety or these new rules that um, were passing for the house. And they include, um, you know this warning system for the other representatives. So if they speak out of turn, if they don't um, show decorum, then they can um, be silenced. Basically, it's it's a three a three warning system, and basically after the third warning, they don't get to speak for the rest the entirety of the rest of the session. Um, so that was just a new rule, you know. Because why not? And then because why not? Um, the other new rule was no signs. Um, not even the small. Um, letter-sized paper signs that we had been bringing in for years. Um, and uh, and so we were all just totally caught off guard by all of this. Um, and so a couple of our group members that second day, uh, Erica Boten, that I was mentioning, uh, Miriam, and another one of our amazing volunteers, Allison, she... She decided this isn't right. I I should be able to hold a sign in front of my body um, during this committee meeting, and sh- it was kind. I think it was kind of a spur of the moment decision. We were all sitting together, and mm-hmm. she said, "I'm not putting my sign down because we were also holding them up in between sessions, and then once they would gavel in, we would have to put our signs down. and the And the committee um, leader would say, "Okay, we're in session. Please remove your signs." Mm-hmm. So she told us right before that happened, I'm not putting my sign down. And Erica said, I'm not putting mine down either. And we were like, okay, you know, we, we knew what would happen. They would just get carried out and, um, and then we, you know, see what happened from there. Um, we did not expect, you know, this entire press and, um, you know, emotional uh, reaction that we got from all over the country and thank you for mentioning that. That uh, in your circle that you're hearing about Tennessee, it's incredible to hear that our story and our cause is reaching all corners of the globe. And all the people that have reached out to us—I mean, we have donations from all over the world now. Um I mean, Small yeah. ones. We still need more. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's been incredible. So um, so yeah, there was all of this this tornado of of um outrage and um and energy around this this issue um and so allison and um and erica and Miriam filed a a suit with the aclu demanding that that signs cannot be restricted in in the state house um that it they was an infringement on their First Amendment rights. Exactly. They won that immediately. And then Cameron Sexton, instead of spending his time last week working on gun safety bills, um, decided to counter-sue and, and um, use our, our uh, taxpayer dollars to counter-sue um, uh, members of the community who wanted to hold a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, good news is we won again today it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I was I was nervous, but but we won. and um and we're gonna keep winning and we're gonna yeah. keep pushing and he's mm-hmm. gonna keep setting these traps and we're just gonna keep stepping right over him. Um, and so is Justin Jones, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he we like I said, when I met Marion for the first time, I, I'm done. I'm done playing these games yeah. because they're not doing. Their jobs they're not doing what we're telling them to do what we're begging them to do what victims' families are crying and begging on their knees for them to do yep so we're not we're not going to play these games anymore um, and we're going to stand up for ourselves
0: and I want to add something about the um beautifully said, Alexis, and I want to add about the ACLU case, you know, um, the other thing is uh, that's important to note for context uh, for people who don't d- haven't caught this this bit yet. Um, the signs that we were holding as moms, these small signs we were holding, we were holding those inside hearing rooms where you're allowed to bring a gun. So exactly. there were a, there loaded was a, gun. a loaded gun. There was one on the same day that we were um, that, you know, that moms were escorted out of this room for holding signs. Um, one of our legislators, uh, Caleb Hemmer, one of our representatives, went to the security desk to ask. And there had been their rough, their low estimate was 25. They said somewhere between 25 and 35 between the two entries. Um, there was a, that was the estimate of switch together loaded weapons that had entered the building along with us and our signs that day. And guaranteed, some of those people were sitting in the same hearing room that we were. 100%. So you can bring a loaded weapon into this place, but not a sign. Um, That's part of it. And then also for people who don't have skin, who feel like they don't have skin in this game, um, maybe maybe gun safety is not your issue, right? Um, If you're a taxpayer in Tennessee, then someone should ask Cameron Sexton what the state lawyers are paid, right? What does it cost to go to court with the ACLU um, the first time, right, over these rules. And yep. then the second time, once the judge issued the stay and said, okay, they can have signs, he didn't take that. He wasn't just like, okay, I guess they can have their 8 by 11 signs, yada, yada, yada. He didn't do that. He said, no, I'm going to appeal that and I'm going to counter sue. So they had to go back to court, right? And that is Tennessee taxpayer dollars. That is tens of thousands of dollars, for one more
2: piece of paper,
0: for three, because three moms didn't put their signs down. That's what he's spending taxpayer dollars on. So even if you don't have skin in the gun in the gun reform, gun safety game, and you're not committed to that, maybe you care where your tax money is going, right? It's like there's so 100%. many angles to this,
1: right? Or yeah, yeah. There's there's or you care yeah, about, the First, yeah, you care about some, the
0: First Amendment, which right. comes before the second, <laughs>
1: right? Right. There's so there's so many angles here, and there's so I mean literally we could spend hours talking about just how asinine these actions are. Like it's mm-hmm. like while you guys, while you mm-hmm. both were talking about this special session, like I literally was getting sick to my stomach thinking about. Like I'll be honest, the the my when I hear when I when I see Cameron Sexton's face, when I hear like when I hear the things that Cameron is doing and Jeremy is doing and these other like assholes that like, just can't seem to like, it's very hard. Like, I'll be honest. And and I want to begin to wrap up here with some like next steps, because I'll be honest, like me without thinking about what actually works, uh, what what we know to work in terms of how do we help people and love well and, and move the ball down the field, just me by myself at 1030 at night, Eastern Standard Time, I can't stand that dude. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's hate, but it's pretty close because it's like how there are people dying in your state and all you care about is a fucking sign. Like that is in, that is abs, like literally I'm sick to my stomach right now. Just thinking about how like the, the, the billies of the world and the Cameron sections, like it's really hard to like deal with the fact that these are the people that are in control and we can go to all the different States, right? We're just talking about Tennessee. So here's what I want to, like, I, I sort of want to bring our, begin to bring our conversation to a close. You both have been so generous with your time and with your stories and with your, with your actions. Having said all of that, we can't force change of belief, change of way of living on anyone. So like telling people what's right won't make them change. Mm-hmm. It won't convince them of the truth. I wish it mm-hmm. did. Uh, mm-hmm. I, wish, I wish speaking facts did change people, but that's not the way it works. There are literally still, I mean, Donald Trump is still the leading presidential candidate mm-hmm. of the Republican Party. Like, if that doesn't tell you about how little facts have to do with what we believe, right? We cannot foist our beliefs on anyone. We have to uh, be slow and intentional and we have to model what the good life looks like. What amen. What a a what a a not an individual like fuck individualism. Like one of the worst things that we ever did is put this like in my mind is like put these all these individualistic laws and amendments and this and that in place. Or they're seemingly, I don't, I don't actually think they're individualistic, but this idea where it's like take care of me first, and if there's any left over, you get some. If you look at the the most, I'm 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 a, I'm a studier of societies. And if you look at the societies that work the best, they don't have billionaires. They don't have an excess amount of money. They don't have an excess. They have enough for everybody. It's not perfect, Mm -hmm. but they're not having school shootings. And you can take a year off when you have a kid and everybody gets health insurance, right? Like you can just start naming. And so we live in this like weird place where everybody's trying to, you know, me, myself and I. And so I want to ask you both, in the Tennessee context, based on what I just said, where you can't force change on people, and you've seen that. I mean, you have seen that firsthand in the last few months. If you didn't know before, you know now. can't force people to change. Truth doesn't make them change. Showing up time and time again and modeling what it looks like to live the good life, that's what hope that that it might not actually change them, but it's the one thing that we can count on that will over a long period of time do that. So what does that look like in your context? What do you, for any Tennesseans that are listening, what do you encourage them to do during these fairly dark days? And for anybody listening outside of that context, um, here in New York or in other Southern states where there's restrictive laws, um, what can you, what have you learned and what can you recommend they do to not hate the Cameron Sexton's of their, of their context and to keep showing up and to keep doing the work when it is so, so, so hard to do so. Rochelle, go first. And then Alexis, anything you have to share to wrap that up?
0: Yeah, um, uh, I think one of the first things I want to do is I want to just give like a shout out to some of the organizations in case people are suddenly like, okay, like, where do I go? Right? Because Alexis and I obviously have put our eggs in the Rise and Shine Tennessee basket. I hope it's okay that I'm going to say it's it's spelled and it's rise and shine t-n.org. That's how you find us, right? Um, and we are new, we're young, we're scrappy, we're building community, we're one way of doing it, right? And there is a place for everyone's involvement, right? So yes. um, other ways, so you can volunteer with us. Other ways to get involved are, um, there is uh, Mothers Over Murder, right? Who've been on the scene um, forever, uh, Moms Demand Action. There's uh, Gideon's Army, which brings resources and support to the fam- the families of victims of gun violence, right? And works in the communities. Um, if LGBTQIA plus rights is at the forefront for you in Tennessee, there's the Tennessee Equality Project, there's Inclusion Tennessee, there's P Flag um, has a, a presence here, right? Um, so a quick Google will give you lots of organizations. Uh, did I say moms demand action? Like lots of organizations, depending on you know where your heart is at and where your core values lie. Um, and I hope I'm not gonna steal Alexis's answer here. I probably am a little bit, because I got it from you, Alexis, which is the mic, are you want you wanna um can I the micro macro? Can I steal it or is that going to be your answer? Go ahead.
2: No, no, it's not my answer. (laughs) Um, Go ahead.
0: um, So something that Alexis talked about uh, that I really love is the difference between the macro, which is the larger activism, right, which is a very good container for your financial resources, your uh, time and your energy in terms of, um, you know, anger and really like the thing that fuels you to show up. Right, and that and and organizations are a wonderful container for that, right? And then on the micro, that for me is still the front lines of this yeah. battle. Um, Alexis said, "I let people get to know me um, when when she was explaining to me who she was, and I I still get really um, like I'm so grateful for you, Alexis." Um, she said, "I let people get to know me, and I let them get to know my family." And then in getting to know us, they find out what we believe and what we value and what we care about and who we are. And and then it sucks for them because they like us, because we're kind of great. <laughs> you know, like just <laughs> like amazing. And they are like your family's amazing. Like just like loving. <laughs> and I mean, I wish if your car is gonna break down, I highly recommend you break down in front of Alexis's house. Because <laughs> they will that in take mind. you. They will not ask you who you voted for. They will just take you in and feed you and get you to the gas station. You know, they're like wonderful. Um, And so that is something also that I find restores me in terms of the ability to slay the dragon and get up in the morning and love again, is I use as much of my energy as I can to be a safe space for people who disagree with me and for people who will have the courage to name what they don't know and ask questions. Because in my experience, if people feel like you're not gonna judge them for their questions, you're not gonna tell them they're monsters because they don't know or because of what they currently believe. If you give people, if you, I know lead with love is overused, but whatever it means to you, if you give people the opportunity to feel like you are standing with them in their humanity, just casually in the grocery store, recommending products like you do, Nick, <laughs> right? And you can heavy tray eggs, <laughs> exactly. Like buy the, these organic <laughs> eggs, or my family loves these. All, how do you feel? How do you feel about um, transgender youth? Um, you, you know, uh, but if you can find Love a that. way to have those conversations, that has been transformative, not just for the people that I talk to right? It's not like I'm changing people. They're also changing me. There's a beautiful exchange Mm -hmm. that takes place. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's something that I would say too, which is if you are a person who lives in Tennessee and you have not yet, if you're sitting, if you're just sitting and you're frustrated and I hate this and everybody sucks and you're just assuming that there are all these hateful people everywhere, I highly recommend trying to remember that we're all in this together and that most people are good people and actually talking to people in your communities and letting them, if you have all the information, if you got to where you are, and I promise I'm landing this plane, but if you got to where you are in your beliefs by having information, then be a place where other people can come gently and safely and receive yep. that information. And 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 that really is a thing. And then the thing it does for me that's totally selfish is it gives me hope because there is nothing like having someone the look on someone's face, when they finally ask the questions, they haven't been able to ask anyone at their church, anyone at work, anyone in their community, because they're so afraid to even be curious, right? They're so afraid to want to know. They're so afraid to be ostracized. And they ask me and they get answers. And you watch them light up. That's the shine bit for me. You watch them start to light up and you watch them start to think for themselves. And you watch them start to go, oh, that never made sense to me before. Even something as simple as explaining to someone the difference between gender identity and sexual orientation, which people conflate all the time, right? The people who are screaming groomer, groomer don't even know the difference. Tell them the difference and suddenly they go, oh, that, oh, oh, I didn't, oh, that makes sense. And it, it reassures me that I am surrounded by people who do have good hearts and who when you give them the information will be the people that you want to be standing next to while we go on this journey to make change
1: that was an incredible sermon thank you
0: beautiful and seen <laughs> and scene.
1: um alexis i would have made home. a half
0: decent cult leader i think maybe i oh, i, I yeah.
1: listen i've you y- y'all are talking about following miriam i'm following rochelle wherever you want to go i already i've already told you this rochelle i've already told you this i'm like wherever you want to go i'm i'm in so well, I
0: follow Alexis, we're so we're about all just Colombian. doing the locomotion.
1: There you go. That's right. We're all following each other. Uh, Alexis, take us home.
0: Uh,
2: my answer is to find your people. Um, even as a native here, uh, we've joked about how um, I feel like I, I've gotten to utilize so many of my lifelong connections in the past four months. And I joked with Miriam uh, at one point, because someone would say, "Does anyone know someone at this place?" or "Does anyone know that guy?" and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I know that guy," or "My husband knows that guy." And I joked with her and said, um, "said You know, if you need, if we're having a, a march and we need a cobbler to come fix all the shoes, I actually do know a guy." Like <laughs> that's how, <laughs> when you live in a place Amazing. your whole life, yeah, you really do know somebody, or you know someone who knows someone. Um, and so that has been an incredible resource to me over the past, uh, four months, but the relationships that I've made and fostered the new ones that I've made and fostered in the past four months in this work have not, uh, this work has not been draining. It's exhausting, right? but it's emotionally charged all of us in such a, um, beautiful way. And, um, it's been such a gift um, out of this tragedy. And, uh, so if you are in a silo or you're in a place you've lived your whole life, you feel like, you know, everybody, if you're an introvert, um, my, my recommendation is to, is to keep looking, keep looking for the Rochelles, keep looking for the Merriam's, keep looking for the Nicks. When people talk Any to you Lex at the grocery it? store, talk, talk back to them get to know them. If, if someone like Miriam is saying, Hey, this thing's happening on Sunday and I'm going to be there at two show up and go say hi to her and, um, and keep showing up. If, if, if someone's saying something that speaks to you, um, follow them around. Um, they'll like you too. They'll find something about you that, that they like. and, and, like i said we're we're making friends in this we're we're falling in love with each other <laughs> and um and that's been um yeah that's been the most beautiful part of all of this so that's my advice
1: amazing i'm so grateful for both of you thank you for the work that you do both in your sort of separate lives and journeys with your families with your partners all of that but also with rise and shine Tennessee. I'm um, I don't need more encouragement to know that good work is happening in Tennessee, but I'll welcome it. And I received it tonight. Uh, So thank you for all that you're doing. Know that uh, you have big fans in me and in Let's Give a Damn. Anything we can do to help, uh, please let me know. But again, thank you for taking time last minute late on a Monday evening. To share your stories, keep showing up to this special session. Um, they, Cameron Sexton needs to see your faces there. Um, and 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 so do so do Justin Jones and Justin Pearson and Gloria Johnson and everyone else, right? The, I mean, you showing up is so imperative. Um, even if, even if on the fa- even if Cameron doesn't totally get that he is looking at the people that he is rejecting, right? It'll, it'll, I think, I think we're moving towards something beautiful here. I really I really do. I have to believe that, that, that Tennesseans won't ultimately stand for this, that these people will ultimately get voted out and that will incrementally get better and better and better so that maybe we have, maybe you all, and we sort of live in kind of a weird Uh, shitty existence for now but we're doing it for the kids and their kids and their kids right like this is a we're doing it for them um seven generations you know ahead of us as our native american brothers and sisters taught us um so thank you both so grateful for you um yeah good night
0: thank you nick thanks for using your voice to amplify this thank you
1: Friends, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for showing up. Thanks for spending some time with Rochelle, Alexis, and me this week. To find links for everything mentioned in today's conversation and to keep up with all things Let's Give a Damn, visit letsgiveadam.com. Please share this episode with a friend. Please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please show up next week. We have many more incredible conversations coming your way. Chad Snavely, Jess Collins-Harn, and the incredible team at On Studios made this episode. The music is by our friend Propaganda, and you can reach out anytime and for any reason at helloatletsgiveadam.com. Keep giving a damn. I love you all. Bye for now.